0: The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. Hi, I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories.
1: I'm Andrea Askowitz.
0: Together, we produce this
1: podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want
0: to bring you in. Today on our show, we're talking about how writing helps you figure out how you think and helps you see yourself, specifically your failures, more clearly. Because it's harder to ignore a pattern when you see it in writing. That reminds me,
1: I saw this funny tweet. So person one said, you are terrible. And person
0: two said, I know, I'm writing an essay about it. (laughs) That's so funny. Okay, before Andrea's Twitter joke, I was attempting to lead into the essay we're sharing with you today. I don't want to say too much about it until after you've listened. It's so good and so important. All right, here's Karen DeBonis reading her story, Even the Week Can Weather the Storm.
2: When the wind died down and the storm ended, I stepped outside to survey the damage. Whole trees had snapped in half. Limbs and branches littered the lawn and buried the driveway. Tiptoeing through the obstacle course of debris, I saw the terracotta garden statue I call my meditation lady. She's about 10 inches high with chubby cheeks and a generous belly. Her face is serene, her eyes closed as if she's meditating. She is so small and fragile compared to trees and branches. But she weathered the storm. When my son was a teenager, he called me a leaky faucet. It's true. Once I even cried over a comic strip. I'm hardwired to short circuit easily, so I avoid conflict because it leaves me frazzled. While growing up, I learned the importance of keeping the peace. When my sister was in fourth grade, her teacher needled her to tears. I was called down to comfort her once when she couldn't stop crying. She fell into my arms and we rocked back and forth until she calmed down. That night, I wanted my parents to beat up the teacher or yell at her or at least complain, but they did nothing. Being agreeable was paramount, even when a loved one's well being was at stake. The problem was, my parents didn't assert themselves with anyone. Following their lead as their star pupil, I didn't assert myself either, even when my own child was hurting. At his third grade back to school physical, Matthew sat on the padded table in his underwear, swinging his legs, crinkling the paper beneath him, rolling his brown eyes. The pediatrician called Matthew's eye rolling a habit tick, and said ticks were normal at that age. Later, a school counselor confirmed this fact, so I tried not to worry. In fourth grade, Matthew sat at the kitchen table doing homework, his brown hair disheveled, his Goosebumps t-shirt askew. I sat next to him, still in my denim skirt from work. Good, Matthew, I said after he solved a simple math problem. Now write that down. He rolled his eyes and wrists a few times and finally placed his pencil on the page. Not there, Matthew. You already did number nine. He finally found the right place, but by then, he forgot the answer. All kids get distracted, the pediatrician said. He's keeping up, his teacher said. I didn't argue. In fifth grade, Matthew crouched on the ice his hockey stick waiting for a pass. On the bleachers, I shivered. The puck whizzed past Matthew, and seconds later, his head followed, too late to respond. All pre-adolescent kids start to slow down, the pediatrician said. I didn't argue. He's just gotta practice more, my husband said. I argued, but not enough. If you're born and bred to be a tiger mom, fighting comes naturally. Standing up for your child is easy. If by nature and nurture you're a doe, being strong is antithetical to who you are. Fierceness isn't part of your DNA. It's not part of mine. For two years, I allowed my concerns about Matthew's changing behaviors to be silenced when others called the changes normal. Every night, I helped Matthew with homework. The more forgetful he became, the sillier and squirmier he got. The calmer I stayed, the wilder he was. It was the same every night, every single night. It was the middle of fifth grade when suddenly I snapped. Most parents wouldn't put up with this nonsense, I yelled, jumping up from the table. Most parents would do this, I yelled, dragging Matthew out of his chair. He fell to the floor laughing. Or this, I screamed, picking him up roughly by his arms, shaking him. He giggled in my face. How can you be so stupid, I wanted to scream. I wanted to hurt him, but thankfully I stormed from the room. That night, I stopped caring what anyone else thought. I knew we needed help. The next day, I called a psychologist. Over the next 10 months, I pursued assessments by physical therapists and neurologists and psychiatrists until finally, shortly after Matthew turned 11, an MRI revealed a brain tumor. We were lucky. Matthew had a pilocytic astrocytoma, a benign and slow growing tumor. We were unlucky. The tumor had caused severe hydrocephalus, an accumulation of cerebrospinal fluid in the brain, and would require surgery. After we figured out what was wrong with my son, Matthew's doctors, teachers, and my husband responded appropriately, so I had nothing left to fight with them about. I slipped back into my agreeable persona, reserving my energy to push Matthew forward. Through middle school, Matthew couldn't remember if the mom will pick me up note in his pocket, was for today, tomorrow, or yesterday, and he was confused whether Nana and Grandpa visited last week or last month. When he was 16, he got his driver's permit. At the time, he worked evenings at a pizza shop, and I rode shotgun while Matthew drove us there. One of his ticks then was to crane his head from side to side. When he craned left, the car drifted left. When he craned right. The car drifted right, narrowly missing the parked cars. Matthew, you're drifting, I yelled, gripping the seat and pumping invisible brakes. When he forgot where he was going, I gently reminded him how to get to his workplace 10 blocks from home. Through high school, college, and young adulthood, Matthew struggled with short-term memory and disorganization, and I wrestled with painful questions. If I had asserted myself sooner, could I have prevented some of the damage? Would Matthew have recovered more quickly? There was no way to know. His surgeon said the tumor could have been there since birth, but my search for answers sank me to the cold, inky bottom of an ocean where the pressure was crushing. Sometimes I avoided thinking about it. Other days, I dove down craving the self-punishment. Then in 2016, we both had a turning point. Matthew had worked so hard on building compensation strategies. He landed a stable full-time job with benefits and retirement. And I returned to writing our story, an endeavor I began years before. Reading scene after scene where I had squelched my concerns, my words screamed at me. You're weak. You failed your son. You failed yourself. I knew I couldn't allow another day to pass as the old agreeable me. So I began to speak up. When my husband tried to talk me out of getting luggage racks for my car, I got them anyway. It's my car, I reminded him. When my hairstylist asked if I liked the new cut, I said, not crazy about it. When a guy who does odd jobs for us walked into the kitchen and said, I don't like that rug there. I said, good thing you don't live here. The timidity of my baby steps embarrasses me. I cringe to imagine what my badass friends might think. Do they know what it takes to be a warrior on the outside when inside you're a chicken? My meditation statue knows. She knows when the silent speak, they are brave. When the meek question, they are courageous in the fearful act, they are heroes. When I need a reminder of my inner strength, I need look no further than my garden, where my small terracotta stature reminds me that I too can weather the storm. If you knew this was your last day, what would you do?
0: When we come back, Andrea and I will talk about what we love most about this story and how to recreate the magic in your own writing. We're back. You're listening to Writing Class Radio. This is Allison Langer. Karen DeBonis just read her story, Even the weak Can Weather the Storm. Okay, I love this story. It's so well-structured and it covers a lot of ground, which I love, um, but still we're not lost or anything. She really kept us in, in line Um, She uses the meditation statue, Surviving the Storm, as really nice bookends. I think it sort of eased her way into the story. And I loved the way she gave backstory. I always want backstory, but I I like that it didn't like pound us in the face. She kind of eases us in, tells us what the story is going to be about, and then she gives us a little bit of backstory with scenes and the whole history of Matthew, including how she was agreeable and basically how she perceived herself you know, by not being more of an advocate for him. So I thought that was really, really impactful.
1: The part that I think is different and interesting and what I loved most was that ultimately, the story is about how it took her reading back on what she wrote to change. It wasn't her son being sick. That wasn't the catalyst of making her change. But when she was like, Reading how she used to be, she was like, fuck that. I'm not going to be this passive, willy-nilly wuss-ass. Her own writing, reading back on her own writing, helped her change. Because like we said before, it's really hard to ignore a pattern when you see it in writing, in your own writing. This story is about a woman who goes from being obsessively agreeable to someone who is no longer going to just sit passively and watch things happen.
0: What I love about this story is she finally realizes that her opinion is important enough to say out loud. And so disagreeing with her husband about the roof racks and her handyman about the rug makes her feel strong at last.
1: I mean, you can't protect the people you love and or change the world if you don't speak up. This sto- I'm I'm getting like all like mad. I'm like sweating right now.
0: I'm like finding (laughs) your voice. I know. I know this episode is not about finding your voice, but being passive and agreeable is it's it's this it's strangling. You know, I have I'm have my hands around my neck. That's all. That's how like we need to speak up. She's saying I screwed up, but I'm not moving. I'm not going to continue to do that in my life. Moving forward. I'm no longer going to be that person. And it was really through her writing. And I love it. And the fact that she's sharing that with the world makes me so happy. Because when I read that, I get stronger.
1: Yeah. I want to tell you about who Karen is. Karen began writing 20 years ago after her son was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Then she put the writing aside because she was living with her child who she needed to put all her energy into helping him recover. And then a few years ago, she pulled out her manuscript again and is writing the book now, this book about overcoming her own agreeability. You can find Karen's writing at karendebonis.com. Thank you, Karen, for sharing your story with us. And thank you for listening.
0: Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Alison Langer. The music by Christine Corey. Additional music by Ari Hurstan and Poddington Bear. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by The Launchpad at the University of Miami. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including video classes, stories to study, and editing resources. Contact us at info at And if you love this show and enjoy all the extras on our website, hit the support us button. And check out the writing classes and publishing insights we are giving our Patreon supporters. a month gets you an all-access pass to Andrea's publishing conversations, discussions, questions, everything. $25 a month gets you that and a writing class with me a week. The classes are via Zoom meeting and are for one hour. We write to a prompt and share what we wrote. A new episode will drop the first Wednesday of the month, so look for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Karen de Bonus or Bonus? I'm gonna say DeBonus. Bonus. Did I say DeBonus? Bonus? You already said DeBonus. Bonus.
1: <laughs> you say DeBonus. Bonus. I say DeBonus. Bonus. <laughs> Let's work the whole thing out. Oh my God, I was just peed. Old ladies in the studio.
2: <gasps> what happens when we play outside? Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at com slash podcast.